2: Welcome back. It's the Lions 24-7 podcast. I am Tyler Donahue. A couple of my Lions 24-7 colleagues are going to be joining us in just a moment. Tyler Calvaruzzo to break down all that is happening right now in Penn State recruiting as we recap a tremendously busy June in Happy Valley. And then just a little bit later, Daniel Gallen will join us. We'll talk about some takeaways from our experience covering the 7-on-7 tournament at Penn State last Friday. The Big Man Challenge took place as well here on campus. And then Daniel's launched a bit of a series. We'll be covering it here on the podcast, doing a position-by-position review of Penn State's top opposing players on their 2022 schedule. We're going to start with quarterbacks a little bit later, go through the top five quarterbacks that the Nittany Lions defense will have to deal with here in 2022. We'll rank those passers with Daniel in just a bit, but let's get it started by closing the book on that busy June of recruiting with Tyler Calvaruzzo who's done a tremendous job jumping in with the busiest month of the year so far on this recruiting calendar and absolutely crushing it for us over at lines 247com Hey, I know you've appreci- if you've heard the appreciation from our listeners on the message board. Uh, you'll hear it from us as well because you've become a regular real quick on the podcast because we just got a lot to talk about.
3: Yeah, man. It's like a never-ending cycle of things to talk about. and Even with the dead period starting now, it's still it's a never-ending cycle, as you will all see. <laughs>
2: Yeah, we're going to talk about the Ford focus a little bit, but we have to kind of put it in reverse for a moment because Penn State picked up a commitment from a non-official visitor this past weekend. We've got the official visitors to look at because it was a pretty strong group on campus for the last of those weekends. But Dakari Nelson... Uh, commits to Penn State, announcing that on Saturday afternoon, becoming the 15th member of Penn State's 2023 recruiting class. He was the second blue-chip prospect out of the state of Alabama to commit to the Nittany Lions in the span of just a few days last week. Nittany Lions, number four right now in national recruiting rankings. They're doing it from different regions of America. And it's funny, I thought about when you hopped on, I think your first day with us at Lions 24-7 was the last day of of May, and here we are in the last June or last week of June. You told me back then, Hey, I know I'm new around here, but Dakari Nelson's the guy that i am heard a lot of good stuff about when it comes to the Nittany Lions. Now we're talking about him committed. How did it get here?
3: I mean, it was really just a matter of Penn State had the lead here for a while. I mean, we're talking about a kid who pretty much paid his own way to come watch Penn State play Rutgers in the middle of November. I think that speaks volumes about the way Nelson held the program in such a high regard from the start. And that just carried over into the winter, the spring, the summer. The official visit, I mean, it went well, but it was already trending towards Penn State before that visit. So I feel like the official kind of just locked it up for Nelson. He knew where he really wanted to be. There was originally a thought that he might drag it out a little bit until like August, September, you know, take some more visits, possibly even take some visits during the fall. But goes without saying, he seems like he's pretty locked in now with Penn State. And it, the staff's pretty happy with this get. This is a guy they could see doing a lot of different things in the Manny Diaz defense
2: other thing to note here it wasn't the first time trip in june for the family the family had got the experience early in the process earlier so we're kind of reconfirming a lot of things the established relationship was able to build up and it's you know we talk so much about the position coaches and we spent a lot of time deservedly so mentioning what Anthony Poindexter has done with the safeties room on the field, on the recruiting trail. It's a former all American that a lot of us thought was going to be heading to become the head coach at Virginia this past winter. Instead, here he is recruiting on behalf of the Nittany Lions and doing a damn good job of it. Uh, but Alan Zomitis heavily involved here, a former Nittany Lions safety, a very successful one who went off to the NFL has been a great uh, addition for this recruiting staff. And we see him just out there on the field on Friday, uh driving his golf cart around and just being so engaged with these players and prospects and kenny sanders of course uh, uh working the room working the field this guy is everywhere uh, really an underrated move a couple of years ago bringing him back on board after he spent some time away from the program so it's been a colossal effort as you'd imagine these junes involve a lot of support staff the position coaches i know that they were excited to to get some vacation time here coming out of the official visit weekend But to to kind of put the uh, to get the Dakari Nelson uh, recruitment done this quickly before you get to July, uh, pretty quickly removed from that official visit, I think says a lot about the comfort level that was in place. And with Nelson, I think the question becomes that six foot three, 200 plus pounds. Are we still talking about a safety come 2023, 2020, 2024, or are we discussing that next level kind of defender that we know Penn State loves to play uh, up up at the second level? Jonathan Sutherland is the prime example right now, but there's other players like a Tyrese Mill in the 2022 class that we discussed maybe fitting that bill. And it's hard to veer away from that train of thought when you look at the body of work and kind of the body that Dakari Nelson will bring to Penn State.
3: Yeah, Dakara, man, he's already such a big kid and he's still growing into his body. We're talking about a kid who could add probably another 20, maybe even 30 pounds, and carry that weight well enough to play. I think he could fit in that SAM role in Penn State's defense. That's where kind of where I see him profiling. Just because given his size already being what it is, like how much longer can a kid like that really stick at safety as he continues to grow? And as he gets in that college strength and conditioning program, it's inevitable the pounds that he's going to put on, the good weight he's going to put on. So he's a guy I see sliding into the Sam role when it's all said and done. Maybe he'll start out at safety. We'll see how it goes. But I think um, he's destined to play the majority of his snaps down near the line of scrimmage when it's all said and done. I do want to emphasize one more thing
2: because this is not to take away from what Dakari Nelson is as as a guy who can make an impact as a pass defender because last year – Eight interceptions, took two of them back to the house for touchdowns. It's just where you kind of see the profile trending right now and you're trying to get speed at all three phases. You're trying to get length at all three phases. Really strong fit here, and it feels like you're bringing in a very versatile piece of this defensive recruiting class after able to do that down in Alabama last week uh, with Tomari and Parker coming on. That's going to affect your defensive front. Um, look, people are always saying, great, commitment on board. Who's next? Uh, you provided some hope on Monday in the form of a couple of crystal balls. We talked about a crystal ball you put in on the last episode with Tamir Robinson. Uh, out of the the western portion of Pennsylvania. We're going to look beyond the state this time, and we'll begin with Tony Rojas, who approached last weekend with some, I guess, on clarity regarding where he stood in in his visit schedule.
3: Yeah, so I've been leaning towards tossing in a crystal ball for Rojas for a while. Now I want to see how things ultimately played out this weekend just because you never know with recruiting. So Rojas wound up not making the trip to Georgia for his official visit as we were anticipating so once I called wind to that, I figured it was crystal ball time. I mean, the writing is pretty much on the wall when you really think about it. He's closing in on an early July decision, so you're going to have a decision coming from him soon, and I'm pretty confident it's going to be Penn State, just everything pointing in the Nittany Lions direction right now, coming off a very strong official visit in which Penn State's coaching staff continued to sell to the family how good of a fit it is for him. By the way, it, it's it's really – I don't know if remarkable is the word, but perhaps
2: it kind of speaks to the kind of prospect Penn State is pursuing here in the month of June of 2022. Routinely butting heads with the reigning national champs, it seems, on the recruiting trail.
3: Yeah, and I'll be honest, man. I I think Georgia put a pretty good scare in Penn State for a while. You know, Rojas is really giving Georgia a chance to build that relationship up and, you know, see if that could be a spot for him. But at the end of the day, I feel like he's kind of centered on Penn State as being the best fit for him on and off the field. And, yeah, it's definitely an interesting dynamic going on between Georgia and Penn State right now. You saw with Joshua Miller. We've seen it a little bit with Zed Haynes as well. And, you know, Rojas. And there there was a big Georgia involvement there as well. And another guy we'll talk about later, Daniel Harris. Georgia's right there for him too. So, yeah, Penn State, Georgia, you know, kind of unexpected rivals on the recruiting trail now. You've got a uh, pretty good company in that crystal ball category for Rojas.
2: Steve Wilfong, Brian Doan also have their picks in for Rojas to end up at Penn State. He is a four-star, recently elevated that four-star status by 24-7 sports. Uh, the other name that you've got a crystal ball in for, and boy, as a reminder that the recruiting world changes minute by minute, particularly when you get down south to the beautiful sunshine state, Trayon Webb out of Jacksonville, uh, not quite as close to a commitment as we may have thought, but you're still
3: leaning Nittany Lions, and you've got your pick in. Yeah, originally it looked like he was going to announce on Thursday. That's been pushed back for one reason or another. I still feel pretty good about the pick itself. I think Penn State has put itself in a position where it could secure a commitment. Maybe, obviously, not sooner now, but you know, it, it's something that could still definitely happen down the road. I think there are some that still would like to see Webb wind up at Florida. You know, you got to keep in mind he's a legacy, so there's a lot of ties to that program. There's a longstanding relationships, so. Like I said in my crystal ball post, no matter what's going on with Penn State and Webb, no matter how how in the right direction that Penn State might be trending, you cannot discount Florida. And I, I just feel like that's part of the reason why this announcement was pushed back. I think he's – remember, we talked about it last week. This is a kid who's been committed twice already. Mm-hmm. You get the feeling that, you know, he wants this third commitment to be his last commitment. So he's thinking things through. You know, you, you got to respect that whenever a kid does that. Diligence. But yeah, I, I feel good about the pick itself as things stand right now. Obviously, you know, it's always evolving, it's fluid. That could change a week from now. But Penn State has done really good work here, especially with the Webb family and his father. So there's a good chance that the Alliance can lock this one down. But hey, there, there's a lot of uncertainty as well.
2: And it seems like whether you're looking at this one from Gainesville or from State College, it is a very different perspective. Feels like he would be a luxury addition for Penn State at this point, particularly if you were able to keep the in-state running back on board. London Montgomery, who obviously, is looking elsewhere as well. Um, versus Florida, where it feels like where things are coming apart. This seems very quickly for a new regime down there on the recruiting trail and people are running to the rooftops and, and, and alerting everyone that the Gators need help uh, th- to clamp him down as more of a, a, more of a cultural, uh, you know, stop the bleeding kind of deal. And, and so we'll see where it goes as, as you've shared with us. And, and as he has shared with us, Trey on not announcing here on Thursday. So we'll see when that decision does come, you've got your pick in for Penn state to ultimately pick him up a couple of Florida running backs on the current roster because I and Kevon Lee, um, of course, elsewhere on the Florida recruiting front, uh, Conrad Hussey, King Mack, a couple of the premier safeties in that state. Hussey committed to Penn State since this spring. Mack seemingly down to just a couple options. Miami getting involved as well. But really, Penn State at the forefront of that recruitment. Can they bring these guys on board? Will they lose them both? That's been a question. Last week, though, caught up with Andrew Ivins on Sunday morning. Uh, Andrew does a great job covering things in Florida. He's the go-to guy for this conversation. And as I shared with you pretty quickly after I talked with Ivins, Hussey, King no showed Miami. The expectation for the Hurricanes was that they would see those two on campus on Saturday. That did not happen. Needless to say, that is notable for the Nittany Lions.
3: You got to love Florida recruiting, right? Yeah, I feel you, you talk, talk about recruiting being a never ending thing. I feel like in Florida, that's just like emphasized like times 10. It, the amount of those recruitment, those recruitments <laughs> in Florida, they
2: start really early and they end really late. Yeah it's, man. yeah, it's
3: always crazy with those Florida kids, but hey, you gotta love it. But yeah, so I feel like Penn State, you know, a little bit of nervousness with Hussey, you know, getting out on the road a little bit, but that obviously did not come to fruition with him not making the trip to Miami. And the same thing goes for King Mac, you know, he's pretty much between Michigan State and Penn State at this point. I haven't heard anything indicating otherwise. I've heard that Michigan State has reason to feel good, but at the same time, I still think Penn State's in the driver's seat. Maybe... Maybe soon, you know. I think King Max closing in on what he wants to do. I think it could be a thing that happens sooner rather than later. Now,
2: let's let's talk about sooner rather than later because now that the official visit window is closed, the question now becomes: okay, who's ready to decide? So let's focus on who finished their official visit, travel itineraries in Happy Valley. We'll start off with the final Nittany Lions commit to make the trip here. Jamil Lyons. He was on campus a couple of times in June. Travel with some teammates for a seven-on-seven tournament earlier. Got his opportunity to, to have that official visit experience last week. Uh, edge rushing prospect, four-star out of Philadelphia. In terms of the on guys, Cameron Selden was the top-ranked recruit in town. He's number 24 overall in 24-7 sports evaluation. Considered one of the elite athletes in this class. And you really have to kind of emphasize that athlete phrase when it's kind of working through where his recruitment may go next
3: it seems like Selvin's leaning more towards playing offense. You know, you read through all these official visit quotes with him, and it's offensive pitches and him, you know, being a versatile piece in every offense that every program he visits. It's really tough right now. You know, it's a really tight race. It's tough to call one way or the other. I think Penn State had a good official visit. I think Tennessee had a really good official visit. You know, I haven't been giving Maryland a lot of love in this recruitment, but they're right there as well. You know, they're, they're close to home, so they're a player. They got the official for a reason, right? He's not going out there to waste his time. So it's, it's tough. It's, it's a tight race and you're either going to get a decision in July or on his birthday in October. So this one might be one that drags out a little bit longer. And that once that happens, that might involve some fall game day visits as well, which is always a pretty big deal. There was, a, there
2: was a moment there, felt like Saturday into Sunday, where it seemed like maybe all these commitments were going to happen in the next couple of weeks. You know, Webb has a different change of heart than we see here. Uh, Selden maybe pushing it into his senior season. Uh, this is a guy who you know, spent some time with his cousin and Sal Wormley uh, on campus. Wormley, of course, jockeying to become a starting guard for Penn State right now. Um, it certainly sounds like they made their pitch what the offensive role might look like with a little receiver, a little. Backfield action, really a compelling prospect here. Keyvon Keyes was a guy that I think maybe three or four times this spring we thought he was going to make his first trip to campus, and, and none of those times it actually came to fruition. This time it did. He showed up, had a big smile on his face. We, we, we caught him on campus on Friday a little bit when he first got around. Uh, and ultimately, not just a smile on his face, but a tear from his eyes when he, when he read the story from Brian Doan and, and some of the stuff that was presented to him. It sounded like it was emotionally impacting but it also sounds like Penn State had some playing catch-up to do in this recruitment process. Yeah, I think of
3: all the kids Penn State had on campus over the weekend, they might have made the biggest impact on Keys. Just, I mean, he, he really dove headfirst into just the culture of playing at Penn State and just everything the program has to offer in that sense. You know, Jane Franklin showcased a couple videos that really got to Keys, and it really hit home for him for one reason or another. So I think that, that gives him something to think about as he closes on his own early July decision. But with that being said, I still think North Carolina holds the advantage right now. There, I'm not going to lie. There have been a couple of times where I've went over to Keith's profile, thought about tossing the crystal ball for the Tar Heels in. But, you know, this is a recruitment where I wanted to see if he was actually going to get to Penn State. He did, and the visit went well, probably better than I was anticipating. And I, I think it's the gap is closed, and it's a tighter race heading into that decision. Right now I still like North Carolina, but, you know, Penn State got the last crack. Maybe that's enough for to make an impact and swing things in Nittany Lyons' favor. Another standout down there in Virginia, a
2: more recent riser on the recruiting trail, Carmelo Taylor, recently wrapped up a phenomenal spring track season that saw him become a state champion in the 200-meter and 100-meter events. Uh, He's a guy that could really make an impact at the receiver position at the next level. Um, Virginia Tech is a player here. Tyler Bowen, Brent Pry got a long look at him recently, Um, and he was up at Penn State. A bit of a diminutive figure when you look at his size, you know how the speed Big personality from everything we gathered from his time on, can- uh, on campus. And I wasn't the only person uh, this weekend, you know, whispering a little bit of KJ Hamler vibe uh, f- from what you hear and what you see from the
3: young receiver. Yeah, I think that's honestly a pretty good comparison. You know, we have speed. How, I mean, how many times have we spent talking about Carmelo Taylor's speed? I mean, the guy's ridiculously fast. And, you know, you get that kind of speed in an offense, good things could happen. But, yeah, Penn State's a player, Tech's a player. I think both schools, they're still kind of in the process of feeling each other out, getting to know each other. You know, Brian Dunn did a great job, dropping some intel on Taylor's visit on the Lions 24-7 board, so I'd recommend checking that out for a little bit more detail. And, yeah, this is a recruitment that I project kind of plays out into the fall a little bit. Like I said, there's still some learning going on between all the parties involved. Taylor would be a nice addition, but we'll see where it goes. I think there's some fluidity to that as well. Yeah, uh, went sub
2: 10-6 at one point in the 100 this spring and and, and went sub 11 on six different occasions. So uh, time and time again, showing off that speed. We've seen some offers follow. Football highlights are impressive, but it's amazing what that spring track season did for him. Um, One other name to get to here, TJ Metcalf. Speaking of Alabama prospects, here's another one who was on campus. Um, I should also pair in uh, Daniel Harris, who came up to campus, a Florida defensive back. Long limbed cornerback, a rangy player who's been pretty coveted at that spot and now appears to be trending toward Georgia. We can probably skip by Harris. So you called a long shot and, and, and Penn State really having to swing that pendulum. Looks like the reigning national champs are in a good spot there based on crystal ball movement. Uh, how about Metcalf? And then how about the new Alabama offer, Ricky Gibson, that surfaced over the weekend? Yeah, so Metcalf
3: was a name we confirmed late in the week. You know, it was nice to get him on campus. I still think Arkansas has a nice little lead there for Metcalf. I uh, I think it's going to be tough to overcome the Razorbacks in this situation. I think that goes for any school involved in Metcalf's recruitment right now. But, yeah, I mean, you know, it's always a positive when you, you get a kid on campus, especially when you're a program like Penn State where getting a guy up to Happy Valley is just so impactful because you, you get eyes on what Beaver Stadium is like and you get eyes on what the town is like. You know, there's only so much of that you could do virtually, you know. So, yeah, Metcalf, still like Arkansas for him. And the other new offer, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's an intriguing one because – Right after that offer rolled in, you started to see some activity on Twitter. You started to see Ricky Gibson and, T- and TJ Parker exchanging tweets. Once Dakari Nelson committed, there were more tweets. So I, I think that's an offer that's pretty interesting to monitor moving forward. I've yet to get the chance to catch up with Gibson mainly because he was on his official visit to Arkansas this weekend. You know, I, I didn't want to bother him. I don't like talking to kids while they're on their official visit. I've talked about that on the board. doesn't feel like it's my place. So I'm going to be looking forward to catching up with him soon. And if his recruitment plays out into the fall, I think that's a guy Penn State could definitely get on campus because he seems to have a a moderate level of interest early on. I think that could only grow from this point on, considering the relationships he has with the old Alabama commits really something happening
2: down there for Penn State and Alabama. And and obviously Harrison Wallace is a guy we're going to be watching closely at the wide receiver position out of Alabama now in year two uh, with the Nittany Lions. So looking ahead, what are we kind of examining, anticipating here in the next week and a half or so? I don't think I mentioned this at the top of the show like I mentioned, uh, like I wanted to, but I am off to Colorado for a long weekend. And then I'm back after the 4th of July. The 4th of July has become like, you know, kind of a D-Day on the recruiting calendar for commitments what do you think, maybe as we sort through the rest of this week and maybe into that first week of July, I know you and I are going to play catch-up midweek next week when I'm back in Colorado, but kind of between now and then, what should folks be watching for as the official visit period ends and the deliberation slash commitment period really gets going?
3: So I don't think there's necessarily anything imminent coming down the pipeline from last weekend's official visitors, but KV Keys is on the fourth, so he's a possibility. Tony Rojas on the fifth definitely keep a close eye on that one. I I think there's going to be some celebrating going on on July 5th. Tamir Robinson a little bit shortly after that. So yeah, there's, there's a lot of potential activity going on in Penn state favor early in July. And, you know, like I said, just because the dead period's on doesn't mean recruiting stops, man. It keeps going, especially with these commitments coming in right after the June official visit slate. So yeah, Penn state, it could be a month where they kind of load up that 2023 class, similar to what happened last cycle. And, If that happens, we're talking about a pretty potentially special group, I think. I mean, just look at some of these names. Roas, Robinson, you know, Selden potentially either in July or October. There's just just such a potential for this to develop into a big-time class. Webb, you have to throw into that mix as well, obviously. Wanda Montgomery. So, yeah, and even Derek LeBlanc, who recently named Penn State in his top three, along with Oklahoma and Florida. So, yeah, there's a lot of potential for this class to be special, and we can start to see some of that come together in early July, mid-July.
2: I'm not sure if you mentioned the name Jason Moore there. I I know you mentioned a few, but but he's he's coming out of a really busy June, and and it was busy for him, but it wasn't busy talking to media, talking to reporters, not a lot of intel coming out of that recruitment. Notre Dame, a major player. Ohio State was where he was at. He got to Michigan, started off the month in Happy Valley, and Brian Doan, With just a little bit of nuggets coming out of that ohio state visit not a ton uh but something that did pop out to me at least and i think some of those who've already read it uh it sounds like an early july at least by mid-july decision here something that's going to be taking place and we saw it last year for penn state you've already seen it in june but if you can get as much of a legit elite level kind of class put together and pieced together by the time your coaching staff's out there with your guys in august getting ready for week one That is a huge, huge advantage. It seems like Penn State may be primed to put themselves in a similar position to where they were uh, last year on the recruiting cycle. Mm -hmm. Hey, man, uh, the recruiting cycle, it's called a Cycle for a Reason 2025 quarterback. You've got a story up on him, uh, Colin Hurley. I encourage everyone to check that out because 2023 is in focus right now, but Penn State busy, uh, new offer going out to a young Florida quarterback. Very impressive with his answers. Really impressive, impressive, Tyler. Great. Yeah, so that article is up, and uh, and I know you'll probably have another article up by the time people even hear this. So we appreciate your hard work uh, through June. I uh, hope you get a little bit of rest in the upcoming weekend, and then doesn't sound like you're going to have much time uh, coming out of July 4th to chill. Nope. <laughs> nope. <laughs> All right, we'll talk to you real soon, man. Thanks, man. Bye. We'll be right back on the Lions 24-7 podcast
4: Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply.
1: Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master new skill.
2: So good stuff from Tyler, as always. And uh, so Daniel and I were on the field on Friday. Unfortunately, Tyler was dealing with a pretty severe sore throat situation. He did not make the drive-in for camp. We appreciate him for not coming and getting us all sick. But Daniel was there, and we spent a lot of Friday side-by-side as Penn State hosted its 7-on-7 tournament and it's Big Man Challenge. It was the final prospect events of June, and there were several of them in June. We were there for all of them, uh, Lions 24-7 coverage, and another camp coming up in late July, but let's focus on what we just saw here in Happy Valley. Daniel, what's going on?
5: Nothing much, Tyler. Just a, a beautiful Tuesday in, uh, in Happy Valley, and uh, you know I'm getting excited for 4th of July, all that recruiting talk from you and Tyler. There was a lot of recruiting talk,
2: and, and we're not going to shift away from it just yet, although we're excited to get into your series where we're going to look at the top individual opponents Penn State's going to face in this upcoming season. But you and I got a chance to see you know, some potential future Nittany Lions uh, prospects and players on the field on Friday. Uh, It was the seven on seven tournament, much bigger than the one that took place earlier in June. And then I was kind of camped out for much of the afternoon at the big man challenge where there's some interesting developments on the offensive line. Um, You did a really nice job kind of summarizing this tournament and what you saw. So I'm going to let you kind of, Take the mic to start this process uh, from Friday, which you know, we were there for six, seven hours, eight hours. I don't know. It was a long day out in the sun, uh, but this was our last chance to get eyes on prospects on campus for a full month span. And I think we did a nice job maximizing that chance.
5: We definitely did. It was a bit of, bit of a hot day uh, on the intramural fields, but I think we saw a lot of, uh, of really good action out there. Um, I think the, the place that we have to start and that I kind of started in my recap on the board is with good counsel. Uh, the the DMV area power uh, out of Olney, uh, just north of Washington DC. Obviously, if you've been following recruiting for a while, you're you're familiar um, with Good Counsel and some of the players that have come out of there. They had a number of really really impressive players. I think overall in terms of just the eye test and what he was accomplishing, uh, wide receiver Elijah Moore, uh, the three star. Uh, who has five offers, uh, one from each of the power five conferences, which is a nice little anomaly that, that you noted in there. Um, I think that he 64, 190 looks the part. He was catching jump balls. Uh, he was making plays with the ball in his hands. He was m- maybe the, the player who caught my eye uh, the most um, in terms of what he was doing offensively, but the good counsel defense, uh, I feel. Oh, and also have to mention Frankie Weaver, uh, the quarterback uh, from good counsel, made some really nice throws. He has a West Virginia offer. And I think that with the talent around him, he could have a a really big year. Uh, Both of those guys are are 2024. But looking at the good counsel defense, I think is where you saw kind of the, that's where the the most talent was. Um, Aaron Childs, class of uh, 2024 linebacker, a four-star. I think he's a name that a lot of people are going to become familiar with. Uh, Kind of a, a thick athlete, guy who could move around uh, pretty well. Um, I liked what he was doing, um, and you know, sometimes it's tough for linebackers in seven on seven. Uh, you can't play downhill. You're kind of always going backward, and but you get to see some of the athleticism. Um, and then in the secondary, uh, Fahim Delane. Uh, A class of 2025 cornerback Who I think someone on the board Mentioned that with with his measurements Like 6'2 listed at 182 There's a chance he's one of those guys You could kind of see coming down the defense A little bit as he grows Um, He has a, you know, Alabama uh, You know, he's got He's got the list um, of of offers He has has
2: Alabama and he also has a truck stick Which we saw in in play In a (laughs) 7-on-7 tournament Which
5: some of the opposing parents didn't love But you saw a little bit of physicality from the young fella Oh yeah. And I think he knew he, he laid a pretty good lick on a, on a steel (laughs) high player and and watching him walk back to the, to the huddle. I think that he kind of knew that that he wasn't supposed (laughs) to do that, Uh, but he was really physically impressive and that's class of 2025. So that's a long way away, but I think that's going to be someone that we're going to hear from um, on the national stage. Um, And then Dylan Gooden, I think is kind of the more, the more imminent kind of, you know, the biggest questions in terms of what's he going to play at the next level? What is his skill set? How does he kind of fit in? Uh, Really long, uh, really skinny, was playing linebacker. um, And I think that that length kind of served him well, because he was getting tested a lot downfield, a lot of wheel routes, um, a lot of stuff towards the sideline and quarterbacks couldn't throw over him. Uh, The, you know, the receiver might look open, but Dylan Gooden could just put up his hands, and the ball wasn't making it over him. So I think that for me, uh, it kind of starts with that those guys from Good Counsel. Um, they made a good run through the tournament. Uh, they lost to Stonebridge in the finals. That's a school from Northern Virginia that's won two straight state titles. Always a really solid program. Jonathan Allen uh, from Alabama and the Washington Commanders went there. Um, so it's kind of a, a very quality program. So I think good counsel is kind of where you start. Um, Penn State has had a little bit. Of Landon Tangwell as a good counsel alum, so they've had some success there. But I think that those are guys moving forward that you really want going to want to keep an eye on coming out of this weekend.
2: Yeah, I think tycer Denmark was the best wide receiver prospect I saw uh, perform at Penn state this year. And, and he's got the list too. He's a 2024 out of, out of Philadelphia, um, but probably the next man up, based on what we saw Friday afternoon was Elijah Moore, because it was consistent uh, and it was throughout the day. I mean, he does benefit for, from having a lot of skill around him. He's not a one-man show like some of these uh, receivers who come to a seven-on-seven tournament, and they basically get bracketed every single play. He got some extra attention. I think you pointed out uh, Motep has a, a – a, a FBS-level receiver, uh, Woesley, um his, his first name, Kenneth Wosley, um, who was kind of following him around the field, and that was a nice matchup in the semifinals between him and Im- Imhotep. I think that kind of showed the respect that more carries. Doesn't have that Penn State offer yet, but with that size, you know, six-foot-four, you see a, a, a guy who's a rising junior as a six-foot-four wide receiver, and sometimes that's really a tantalizing thing. And then you watch him perform, and you're like, the coordination isn't there. He needs a lot of polish. He looks like he's still trying to figure out how to play at this size. Didn't get that indication. There was a lot of smoothness. There was some suddenness. Um, so to kind of combine that with that physical package, he's a guy, I think, you know, certainly Penn State and, and everybody in the Mid-Atlantic and Northeast needs to be keeping tabs on as he develops. And, um, you know, looking over for me at the offensive line was was a real treat because it was a chance you know, in a setting like this to kind of see very clearly who a coach is prioritizing. Um, you know, coaches are going to pull guys aside. And, and in this case, it was very obviously Jake Guanera. Um, he was with Alex Birchmeyer and Anthony Donka. Both of them have been committed to the Nittany Lions for some time. This is a 2024 prospect out of the Jacksonville, Florida area. His dad played at Rutgers. He still has grandparents who live in New Jersey. This was his first trip to Penn State. He also got over to a camp at Rutgers uh, this past weekend. But I can tell you, Penn State was his first offer. Now he's got Florida, Florida State, NC State, and that continues to grow. That sticks with him, though. That first offer came in April. He now got to kind of follow it up with a visit. He was on campus from Wednesday to Friday. Got to meet James Franklin Wednesday. I saw Franklin uh, kind of make a beeline to him when he pulled his car up at one point and shake his hand during some offensive line work. But the big story here was it was Troutline, Guanera, Birchmeyer, and Donka, just the four of them for a solid 30, 40 minutes inside Haluba Hall, inside those practice facilities. And just them focusing in on the very basic fundamentals of, uh, of, of of blocking and of hand movement and of just the pro pass set. And it was really interesting to see um, him kind of work off of the co- uh, work off of those other commits when Tratline would step away for a bit. Very engaged throughout. Uh, I think very clearly Alex Birchmeier is taking it upon himself to. Piece together the personnel plan for Penn State as much as he possibly can for the future. He's that kind of a prospect. Seems like a guy he'd love to get on on board here. And, and speaking with Drake, Jake Jake afterwards, uh, one. He he was absolutely blown away by the experience and and feeling like a priority. Uh, His family really came away with a strong impression. Penn State is solidly within that top school structure for him, although it's a a list that continues to grow. I think you're going to see some of the real big boys of the SEC, maybe out of the Big Ten as well, end up showing up on his doorstep when it's all said and done. Uh, But really a a nice starting point for Penn State from when they offered a couple months ago to getting this first visit, and now he wants to get on campus for the whiteout game. I think they're in a really kind of stealthy, strong spot here with the player that a year from now could be considered one of the premier interior offensive line prospects in the state of Florida. He's going to play left tackle this season for his high school squad, but Penn state focused in on the interior for him.
5: Yeah. It seems like these, these big men camp, when you have Birchmeyer Donko there, they're at the whiteout camp earlier this year. Uh, They were back for their, their official visits. It seems like three times in four weeks, both. Yeah. Three times in four weeks, Virginia guys. Yeah. And I mean, it's Northern Virginia, but I mean, that's not the easiest drive to make. So I think that kind of Birchmeyer's presence, I think, has been has been really big because when you you know, when you open up the rankings for the recruiting class, he's at the top. He's got the, the five star status in the composite. Uh, he's someone that I think when all is said and done, he's going to be one of the the top recruits in this class. At this point, he's the longest tenured recruit. Uh, in the class. And I think that he has kind of emerged as a, as a really big tone setter and you know, reading everything and hearing everything from these these big men camps. I think that that's kind of what you want to see. Obviously, not everyone is kind of cut out for that. That's not necessarily everyone's personality, which isn't a bad thing. But from kind of the I guess the status that Birchmeyer has in this class, that's a huge positive for Penn State on the trail.
2: And and one other name here that was you know involved that got some extra looks from filter outline Ryan Corey out of Pine Richland uh, here in Pennsylvania he's a 2020, 2024 prospect another interior kind of guy uh, just to keep tabs on he, he seemed to get some extra attention um, elsewhere in state guys who were on campus just wanted to note a couple who I who I saw and neither of them were actually participating so you may be wondering then why note them but uh, one was a pick commit and, and that is Jay Shear Whittington um, he was not a participant he was there with a bunch of his teammates we've kind of talked about this with with other Penn State commits popping up on campuses as their teams are traveling places, kind of put that in this category from what I saw with Waynton, uh, who's a defensive lineman in the 2024 class. And then his younger teammate who did not look younger than anybody on the football field, <laughs> Zahir Mathis. And, and I was reminded that Penn State offered him before his freshman year at MoTEP, And you can kind of see why, even though he was standing there in street clothes, just watching his teammates, supporting his teammates. He's a legit 6'6". I think he's a legit 230 pounds. And he's only going to be a sophomore since Penn State offered last summer. He's got Florida, Georgia, Michigan, Michigan State, Nebraska, Texas A&M. That list will continue to grow day by day. Uh, but I just wanted to make note that I don't care what he was doing. I don't care how involved he was. I don't care what he was focused on. He had feet on the ground at Penn State. And for a prospect with this kind of profile, that's one. Hey, just, just keep it tucked away. And if you're Penn State, keep getting him back. <laughs>
5: <laughs> yeah, I think I saw your update that that Mathis was there. And then at the end of the tournament, when when Imhotep was getting together after their their run ended, I saw him walking across the field and and it was like, oh, that's the young guy. That's the <laughs> oh, which former <laughs> player is that? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. It's very a, impressive, very physically impressive. And that that whole Imhotep group, um, I think, is, is they're always impressive, but they had they had some eyes on them and i think that there are some some guys to really track out of that group as we go forward naturally when we spend a
2: full day on the field there were more takeaways than that we have a full rundown of notes for our vip subscribers over at lines247.com from last friday look forward to getting back on the on the field in late july for another prospect camp and that will be it happening in conjunction with the annual Lash Bash major recruiting event. But for now, happy to put June behind us. And, and Daniel, it was nice to share the field with you for the first time as a colleague uh, at every single one of these camps. We were out and about, and, and I think we got a pretty good feel for not just how the Penn State coaching staff is going about its business, but just some
5: of those names that, you know, two, three years even down the line are going to be pretty important. I think that we really cast a wide net and there's a lot more names on our on our radar now on on June 28th than there was on June 1st, which is obviously what you really want to get out of that experience. All right. Names on the radar. You've got a few for us here because it's
2: time to get into your new series. Perfect for the summer and perfect to get everybody primed for kickoff Penn State, Purdue. It's what, 66, 65 days away. I should know this. I'm doing the countdown series. 65 days from As We Speak, that matchup at Purdue. And, and we're going to talk about uh, position by position on this podcast between now and then. A lot of guys Penn State's going to have to be worried about. Naturally, quarterback is at the top of the conversation uh, when it comes to football. And we'll start with number five, work our way to one, and then maybe go through who was left out. Number five is a familiar name for Penn State fans. He did a great job carving them up. I was there in person in the press box in Minneapolis watching him put together the finest performance of his college career, I'd say, against Penn State. That's Tanner Morgan. Uh, Now, things have not sustained, and there's a reason he's not off in the NFL making millions of dollars right now. And he's a six-year senior, like the quarterback we cover for Penn State. But he's at number five for a reason. And I know you had kind of debated about leaving him off altogether.
5: There's a there's a lot of a lot of thinking between number five and number six, number seven. Uh, but I think Morgan gets the get, got the benefit of the doubt and got that number five spot. And I think it's mostly due to a name that is very familiar to Penn State fans and Kirk Scirocco. Um, You look at Tanner Morgan's career stats, that 2019 season, obviously the best of his career. Kirk Shiraka leaves the past two years. Minnesota was a little bit more run heavy, even with all the injuries they had at running back last year. Uh, But Tanner Morgan's stats were just way down. And I think that with Kirk Shiraka going back with kind of that familiarity with that uh, relationship they have, Chris Altman Bell is back for another year at wide receiver. Um, I think that Minnesota will probably turn to the air a little bit more this year, and that'll give opposing defenses, especially Penn State, uh, something else to worry about. Yeah, that's, again, the
2: whiteout matchup. There's a lot of things in that one, There's a lot of layers to it, and that's that's a big one as Kirk Shiraka and Tanner Morgan come back to town. And by the way, Shiraka's not the only one back. He so, should have Muhammad Ibrahim back at running back, and if you watched him early, early, early last season, before he went down early, 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 He looked like a formidable force and looked like he was going to have a massive season in the Big Ten. Um, Moving forward to number four, uh, you've got Peyton Thorne here. He's a guy that Penn State dealt with in their last Big Ten matchup on the road in the snow. And I think a lot of people are going to focus in on him and say if the Spartans can keep it rolling, Peyton Thorne's
5: going to have to prove he can be the guy to help them get there. I think when you look at the Big Ten and you go through in your mind the kind of ranking the quarterbacks, Tanner Morgan is someone that that pops into your head but peyton Thorne, i think flies a little bit more under the radar that was partly because of kenneth walker the third last year that was kind of what that michigan state offense was known for but peyton thorn turned in a really solid year uh 60.4 percent completion percentage good for a college quarterback He has playmakers around him. Uh, He gets Jaden Reed, who's one of my favorite wide receivers in the Big Ten back this year. Uh, They lose Jalen Naylor, uh, but Trey Mosley is also back. So he'll have weapons. They brought in a couple more running backs to try to replace Walker, who can take some of the pressure off of him. But I liked what Thorne did, especially against Penn State in the snow. Uh, He got the ball out, let those guys make plays. Obviously, that pick six to Daquan Hardy was a really, really ugly play. Uh, but Peyton Thorne is someone that I think is kind of what you want out of your quarterback. If you're in that Michigan state tier where you're on the, the conference uh, discussion fringe of the college football playoff, he's someone that is, I think brings you a level of stability uh, and can get things done.
2: Some of these quarterbacks are where they are because we think we have them figured out one who is probably where he is because you just don't quite know game by game. You find him down in college park Tualia, Tago Tagovailoa and this is one where we saw some of the bad uh, pop-up last year, uh, including that, that game-sealing pick-six interception return by Jair Brown. Uh, but boy, when he's on, and we saw that a couple of years ago in Beaver Stadium, he's a real problem.
5: Talia tonga is probably the, the highest variance quarterback uh, in the Big Ten. Uh, you know, We saw what Maryland was doing through the first four games of last season. Uh, Tonga-Vailoa was, was lights out. Uh, Dante Demas, Rickim Rick Jarrett guys you can also read about on 247com Uh, we're really kind of pacing that offense early but then friday night iowa comes to town tunga vailoa throws five interceptions demas gets hurt uh the bottom just really falls out in pretty spectacular fashion and maryland obviously they they win the bowl game they get their their feet under them here at, you know a little bit down the stretch but kind of wasn't the same after that game but tunga vailoa is someone that like we saw at Beaver stadium two years ago, can light it up. Um, he has playmakers around him. Maryland lost a lot of wide receivers in the transfer portal, but still have a very solid top four. Um, they're losing a tight end. Uh, that'll be a little interesting to watch, but he's going to have weapons around him. And I think that Maryland kind of knows that their fate is really tied to Tunga Vailoa and what he can do. So he's going to get a lot of opportunities to put up numbers and, I think that he is going to single-handedly beat some teams this year. Mentioned before that the Nittany Lions
2: will see Tanner Morgan midseason for the whiteout, Peyton Thorne, Tagovailoa, they await later. Those are the final two home opponents of four Penn State in November. Michigan State's the finale, and that's preceded a couple weeks earlier by the trip from Maryland. They're going to go right off the bat, though, with one of the more experienced quarterbacks in college football, another six year senior on this list. And um, uh, Aiden O'Connell will be the man who leads Purdue into action on that Thursday night setting um, to kick off the season September 1st. And he's coming off a season in which he completed more than 71 percent of his passes. And boy, was it big considering what the Boilermakers lost, including his favorite target and David Bell to have him stick around and take advantage of that extra eligibility in a Purdue uniform.
5: Purdue offense is going to be really interesting this year because you get O'Connell back, you lose David Bell uh, and then Milton Wright, someone who I was pretty excited about until I realized that when I was on vacation, uh, he's reportedly academically ineligible. Uh, So that kind of changes. Why you can't go on
2: vacation, Daniel. I thought we talked about
5: this. I know I just canceled all my (laughs) plans in July. I'll I'll be around, (laughs) but uh, O'Connell has, he can, he's a very solid quarterback and he fits in that offense. Um, 3,700 yards, 28 touchdowns, 11 interceptions. Um, Obviously, Purdue is playing with a they're playing at a talent deficiency against some of the better teams on their schedule. Uh, But they're still in that kind of upper crust of the Big Ten West potential division contender. And I think if Aiden O'Connell can kind of play at that same level, um, it wouldn't be the biggest upset if we saw Purdue in Indianapolis. Um, obviously the wide receiver picture is still a little bit in flux uh, they're bringing in a couple transfers at wide receiver two guys from iowa tyrone tracy uh, and charlie jones and then elijah cannon i believe uh, from auburn um, so they're trying to trying to make things work uh, around o'Connell and maybe that hasn't quite gelled in week one yet when penn state is out in west lafayette but i think that at times this year it's you know we're going to see Aiden O'Connell throw for 400 yards, you know, at least once.
2: There's gonna be a lot of focus on those two veteran quarterbacks and O'Connell and Clifford in that matchup. But to me, really curious, there's a chance here for Penn State to go on the road and make a strong opening statement defensively if they can get it done on the field in August with Manny Diaz. And there's a lot of parts we've talked about guys who weren't on the field for them last season, whether it was injury related or new additions from the transfer portal or freshmen. There's a lot of moving parts that we just don't know how effective they could be and kind of how splashy they could be from week one. And uh, this is a great matchup. It's a great test. And, and there's a lot that I think we'll have, uh, you know, kind of uh, at least cleared up on this defense and where they are at and their progression when we wake up on September 2nd. Um, and, and if you're waking up with a smile as a Penn State fans, I think a big part of it is the effort they will have to put up against O'Connell. Uh, number one on this list should come as a surprise to no one cj stroud out of ohio state uh, was a heisman trophy contender last year he will be the same or is projected to be the same this year seems like ohio state's quarterbacks always in that conversation uh he certainly has a supporting cast as you will continue to make clear as you break down the top players of their position in the big 10 on this schedule um but again this is one of those that i'm sure you just wrote his name in and then figured out the rest
5: yeah, definitely started at, at number one and then kind of then went back to number five and, and worked my way up. I mean, there's really no argument against having CJ Stroud up here. Obviously, you can talk about, well, he's going to lose Garrett. He's lost Garrett Wilson. He's lost Chris Olave. Um, you look at Marvin Harrison Jr. is kind of in that position to step up. Um, but you look at what Marvin Harrison did in the Rose Bowl, I think six catches, 71 yards, three touchdowns. Uh, he stepped in nicely and then there's not really much you can do to, de- to describe Jackson Smith and Jigba at this point I think that he could be in kind of that Devonte Smith area this year in terms of a wide receiver uh, contending for the Heisman Trophy and and with a serious case for it um, especially early on as Ohio State rolls in some of these newer parts as these younger wide receivers get their feet under them and Ohio State also has to replace tight end Jeremy Ruckert, um, and that will probably happen by committee. Um, So I think that C.J. Stroud will be looking to Jackson Smith and Jigba a lot, and I think that will be good for all parties involved uh, except for the opposing defense. Also be turning the ball, uh turning around and
2: handing the ball off to Travion Henderson, which is a, a nice formula for success. And look, it's no surprise that Penn State's going to have its hands full with an Ohio State backfield. It's kind of been the process. They've got some time to get ready for this matchup, but it comes right off uh, on the heels of Minnesota coming to town. You get Ohio State coming in. A lot of people thought that might be the whiteout. It won't be. Needless to say, though, that those back-to-back weeks in, in late October will, will determine a lot about how November lines up for the Nittany Lions. So who was left out here? I, I'm sure our listeners will remind us, and I'm sure that readers have reminded you. Um, notably for me is there's a couple quarterbacks in the conversation at Michigan, and neither of them were in your top five.
5: Cade McNamara, I think I, I had him penciled in as that number five um, early on. Uh, I think I, I consulted with you and Mark Brennan uh, about kind of that, that line um but we don't know pretty sure i just
2: i just responded with kirk shiraka
5: dynamics <laughs> oh <laughs> yeah like, I, you know, yeah <laughs> yeah but i mean october was that october 15th uh, in ann arbor we don't even necessarily know if cade mcnamara will be the starting quarterback or if he is how is that jj mccarthy package going to expand how much of a timeshare will there be Obviously Michigan has a new offensive coordinator this year after Josh Gaddis leaves and uh, you know, obviously it's still Jim Harbaugh. They're still going to be running the ball a lot, but um, I think that you look at that Michigan quarterback spot and I like Cade McNamara. I watched him last year and I didn't necessarily think he was bad at all, but he obviously didn't really have a lot of those wow plays. Um, I think that in that win over Penn state, he just kind of put the ball where it needed to be uh, and when you do that, two Penn State defenders run into each other and Eric All can just run through the secondary. So I think that McNamara was was in the mix there, but I think Tanner Morgan kind of has the higher ceiling this year. Um, And then looking through the schedule, I mean, there's just a lot more unsettled quarterback pictures. Uh, We don't know who's going to be the starter at Auburn. Uh, TJ Finley is back. Bo Nix is gone. Zach Calzada uh, from Texas A&M is back. Robbie Ashford from Oregon is there. Indiana added uh, Connor Basil. Ba- I always mess this one up. Uh, Basilak from Basilak, uh, from Missouri. He'll compete with Jack Tuttle. Um, and then at Rutgers, you know, will Gavin Wimsat unseat Noah Vedral to be the full time starter by the time we get to, to November? Maybe. Uh, I think Wimsat is someone who has a, a pretty high ceiling and is a really interesting recruit. Um, but I think in kind of making this list, you know, it kind of almost sorts itself out by looking at which teams on uh, Penn State schedule ha- kind of have it together um, and are kind of, you know, have a solid starter. Hard to put a name on there that doesn't have the starting job locked up, but Zach Calzada,
2: someone you mentioned in play at Auburn, just a reminder last year, uh, had a big game for himself, three touchdowns, uh, almost 300 yards uh, through the air um, against Alabama, number one ranked Crimson Tide in, in an upset win for Texas A&M as their quarterback. So with the moving parts at quarterback, it's, it's tough to keep track, but you've got some guys who've done some things entering the conference, and we'll continue through this look on the podcast. I know you'll continue it up on the site. Running backs, wide receivers, what have you, will eventually shift towards defense um, as we get ready for Penn State season. Uh, Keeping the conversation on quarterbacks, our five-star mailbag leads us that way. Let's get into it right now, and that question is as follows. What is the outlook for Penn State quarterback commit Marcus Stokes at Elite 11 Finals? And you'll find those finals in the next few days, Tuesday through Thursday at Redondo Union High School in Redondo Beach, California. It's been a few years since I made the trip out to Redondo Beach, Daniel. But there was a different time in my life and my career where I was, I think, three or four consecutive years covering the Elite elite 11 Finals. I can't even say it anymore. Uh, I will say for an event that's in shorts and shirts, this is a one that I, I always found I could glean a lot from. Not just about arm strength and touch and accuracy, but about coachability and really a guy's character and maybe his ability to step up at a podium and be the face of the franchise kind of guy. Because there's a lot of egos here. There's a lot of guys that step up to the occasion, but I've also seen some notable marquee level talent recruits who kind of shied away, maybe curled up a little bit within themselves. And later on, as their college careers developed, there were some traits that popped up over the course that maybe derailed them from. Ultimately, maximizing on their skill set.
5: The only Elite Eleven I ever went to was back in 2017. So I got Justin Fields against Trevor Lawrence uh, out in Oregon, and I think that was kind of when I was like, "Oh, Justin Fields is this is a guy. Uh, he's 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 going to do what he ended up doing." Obviously, Trevor Lawrence, you, you know what you had, but Fields was kind of the the breakout star then. So I think that when you look at what Marcus Stokes can do here, I think that he'll definitely be in the mix. Uh, to finish in the elite 11. Uh, there's there's 20 quarterbacks there, and then the top 11 get that designation. Um, but I think he comes in a little bit under the radar. Uh, in our 24-7 sports rankings, he's, he's the number 10 quarterback in the top 24-7. But uh, in the composite, he's a little bit lower. There's a lot of guys ranked ahead of him. Um, there's going to be a couple five stars there and guys who've been in the headlines uh, recently. Dante Moore, Jaden Rashada, Malachi Nelson. Um, I think that... When you look at where Stokes kind of is in the pecking order, he's not that name that is on everyone's tongue. I think even looking at some of the storylines uh, coming into this week, he's not really mentioned uh, in there. So I think that he's in a prime position to, to be kind of a, a breakout performer, someone who really announces himself on the national stage, someone who's in the mix to be in that elite 11 uh, when all is said and done.
2: This is truly a setting where he could become a guy who does get on the tip of people's tongues. And and that's how it works at the elite 11. I was covered it a few years ago uh, for the last time. Well, more than a few years ago, because Sean Clifford was involved as a rising high school senior out of Cincinnati. And that was the year that Tua Tagovailoa, we just talked about his little brother, but he went out there and he just went from a guy who was like, okay, he's a high four-star level guy. Like Alabama wants him out of Hawaii. There's something here. Then you spent a week with him and you saw players gravitate toward him. And you saw Trent Dilfer continuously, seeing his praises in this, you know, behind the scenes in the quarterback room. I'm telling you, you can you can change public opinion, especially when you do it with some of the most notable national analysts and quarterback minds in our industry. We're well represented. The 24/7 Sports team is going to be like an army out there as usual, but you know, others from the industry are going to be out there. They're going to be filming. They're going to be writing about it. So if you go out there and you're you know, shoulder to shoulder with guys that are have that five-star label or, or have these reported millions of dollars of NIL things on the table for them. You know, When you're an uncommitted player, you're just generally not going to drum up as much buzz going to an event like this as, as when you are somebody who's still considering three or four schools and Stokes has been committed for a while now. So there's not as much intrigue there, but I'm telling you, it, it's going to be unavoidable if he goes through the, the, the first couple of drills and he's slinging it and you get through the first night and he's on the top performers list. People are going to start to take notice, and, and this is a guy that I, I know our, our message board, people are very aware of it. Will the Florida Gators try to, to, to make some huge move here? You know, Down the southeast, there's always teams coming through, um, so you always have to wonder about that. But until he stops recruiting so heavily for the Denny Lions, you'll have to convince me that they're in any kind of jeopardy here because Marcus Stokes has been heavily involved in getting some of these more recent commits on board, guys from the south. He got to campus a couple of times in June. He's not flirting with other schools by going to different uh, you know, campuses to check things out, putting on different teams' uniforms. Feels very locked in for as locked in as a Florida quarterback can be to a program to the North at this stage of the calendar year, Daniel. We got a chance to see him a few weeks ago in the stadium, working with Mike Yurcich, taking that coaching. He's a guy that does a lot, improvisationally, I think, and and that when when you review his junior film, that stands out. A lot of it is kind of what happens when the play breaks down or what happens outside the playbook. This isn't really that setting. I talked about it last year when you talk about an Elite 11 spot. Drew Aller was the perfect quarterback for that. This guy does a lot of his damage out of the pocket and knows how to sling the football. I'm going to be curious to see how it looks for Marcus Stokes when they relegate him to a very restricted space and, and focus on the fundamentals of getting the ball downfield.
5: Definitely, and he impressed me a lot at that camp. And I think that the one thing that stood out, in talking to you, talking to Tyler, uh, talking to Grace Brennan about what we saw in Beaver Stadium that day, I think that Stokes will really shine when it comes to the coachability aspect uh, that you mentioned. We saw him, you know, talking to Mike Yersich, working under Yersich's eye. Danny O'Brien was involved uh, in the the offensive analyst and, and former college quarterback, and in, in talking to him and, and offering pointers, and then. He had the long conversation with Drew Aller where Aller was doing most of the talking. Um, and I think that in this kind of camp setting, when you have the counselors, when you have the people that have kind of been there before uh, offering pointers here and there, I think that that's kind of what the evaluators notice. That's what people are going to be taking note of. So I think that what we saw in Beaver Stadium a couple of weeks ago, I think will translate out to California. And I think that it'll be something that a lot of people are talking about.
2: And this is a kid that 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 doesn't shy away. Uh, and, and you know I think he's a confident young man. So that's gonna carry him well because if you're not confident and you're going from your public school and, and you know in, in, in Indiana and you're getting on a plane and you're flying out to California, and all of a sudden you're with these elite level quarterbacks, I've seen it. It, it you get wide-eyed. He's coming from Florida. He had a ball out down there last year, and something tells me he'll fit in just well from a personality standpoint. We'll be following the coverage from our guys out in California on 247sports.com and, of course, at Lions 24 I'm sure there'll be video. I'm sure there'll be some analysis coming our way. Uh, so stay tuned as, as things take shape here in the next few days. Daniel, that's going to do it for our conversation. Always appreciate it. Uh, we'll, we'll talk real soon. We'll shift gear to running backs. And, and And spoiler alert, the number one guy is not who you think. So I'll just put that out there right now. Thanks, man. Thanks, Tyler. All right, good stuff from Daniel, as always. Be sure to follow his content at lines 247com uh, on social media as well. Thanks to Tyler Calvaruso for hopping on with us just a little while ago to break down the latest in recruiting. Thanks to our producer, Lance Glenn. Just as a reminder, heading out to Colorado midweek, I'll be back after the 4th of July. We'll have plenty to talk about, I think. We'll be back next time, next week, with the next Lions 24-7 podcast.
0: Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you.